Good day, Southeast Wisconsin. I'm David Todd, your host for the next half hour of CTSI Discovery Radio. How about I start by explaining what CTSI is? CTSI stands for the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin, or CTSI. What's unique about the CTSI is that we are a consortium of four leading academic institutions, including MSOE, as well as Marquette University, the Medical College of Wisconsin, and UW-Milwaukee, and four leading healthcare institutions, Fragard Health System, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, the Zablocki VA Medical Center, and the Blood Center of Wisconsin, all working together in collaboration, focusing their time and energy on translating scientific discoveries into new and novel ways to help better the health of us all throughout Wisconsin and indeed nationwide. Plus, all the work is done by the CTSI across multiple institutions using the experience of each of the scientific investigators. The vision of CTSI is to be an integrated home for clinical and translational research that provides a borderless, collaborative, synergistic, and investigator-friendly research environment that offers easily accessible, cost-effective resources, service, and training for conducting the highest quality of research with the aim of tangibly improving the health of the citizens of Wisconsin and beyond. Working together, our goal is to move community health therapeutics and interventions into the hands of those who can use them the most, and do it better, faster, and more cost-effectively than our current system, which can take up to 15 years to create and deliver to patients and the communities in need. We think that's just too long. We also think that by coming to you, the community, we'll get a better direction and ultimately better health for the people we serve. To tell us more about the translational science enterprises, we call it, here in Southeast Wisconsin, we've invited Dr. Joseph Kirshner, the Dean and Executive Vice President of the Medical College of Wisconsin and CTSI Board President to talk with us today about why MCW saw a need for a CTSI here in Southeast Wisconsin. Welcome, Dean Kirshner. Thank you for having me. You bet. Um, I'd like to ask you, as Dean of the region's only academic medical center, what does it mean to the Medical College of Wisconsin to be granted a Clinical and Translational Science Award from the National Institutes of Health? Well, the Medical College of Wisconsin strives to be a national leader in education um, and research, and the CTSI is, um, I think, one of the hallmarks of uh, that national leadership. Um, it, it, many people maybe don't um, understand what a CTSI is, but it's, um, it really is a, an award that is only given to um, a, a handful of medical schools um, across the country. Um, it's a mark of uh, prestige. It's a mark of um, educational and, and research um, excellence. And so in having um, a CTSI, um, it provides us with an opportunity to do a number of different things. Um, uh, it, it really is the, the main engine for us at the Medical College of Wisconsin of translating our uh, research uh, from the bench to the bedside. And so many people understand um, the importance of research and uh, generating knowledge, um, but the critical piece of this and the critical piece of this from the National Institutes of Health 
health standpoint is the need to make sure that those discoveries get into the clinics, get into the operating rooms, get into the hands of uh, physicians and providers uh, to make a difference in the outcomes of patients. And so that's one of the main um, uh, focuses uh, of the CTSI. And, uh, and having this award from the National Institutes of Health means that the people in southeast Wisconsin um, have at their disposal um, a medical center, uh, a medical school that is actively uh, working on a daily basis um, to get those new discoveries uh, to improve their lives and to improve their health. One of the things that's very unique about our CTSI is that we have a number of partners and uh, we were really the um, first uh, CTSI in the country to um, have this concept of um, capitalizing on all of the intellectual um, research and educational um, expertise that exists in Southeast Wisconsin. So when we talk about the CTSI here, we talk about it as the, the CTSI of Southeast Wisconsin, although the award is um, run through the Medical College of Wisconsin, um, the CTSI uh, really belongs to um, all of um, Southeast Wisconsin. And our partners um, are critical in everything that we do. So not only do we have uh, partnerships with the other um, clinical engines that um, are in our neighborhood here, uh, the Veterans um, Hospital, Zablocki uh, VA Hospital here, uh, Freighter Hospital and uh, Children's Hospital and the Blood Center, um, all clinical um, partners, um, which are critical uh, for our CTSI. And so those pieces are very important as we, um, as we link, again, these translational outcomes that improve health um, in working with uh, these uh, hospital systems um, and the blood center. But then we also have um, educational um, entities that are with us um, as well that really um, enhance and make much more robust um, our educational um, and research programs. And so um, that includes um, MSOE, um, Marquette, uh, and UWM. And so those partners um, are critical for us as we uh, move forward. And, um, and this model of um, bringing all of these um, great partners in Southeast Wisconsin together puts us on a national stage, um, puts us on a stage of institutions such as Johns Hopkins, Harvard, Stanford, places that uh, uh, individuals um, uh, know about. The other piece that's uh, critical in having these partnerships is that it does allow us a, a wonderful uh, platform to link into our communities. Some of the um, fantastic things that are being done within the CTSI include uh, uh, drug discoveries, include um, using bioinformatics to take um, uh, health information um, and health data uh, and use that in uh, new ways um, to work together to deliver healthcare in a, in a faster and more cost-effective um, uh, method. And so, again, having all of these partnerships with the health systems and, and the other educational um, institutions uh, really allows us uh, to do that um, in an interdisciplinary uh, way uh, with um, outstanding quality. So I would just conclude by saying um, as the 
chair of the board for the CPSI, um, one of the things that I'm really most proud of is, is how we work together um, as an institution, all with the single goal in mind of um, improving um, the health uh, of the citizens of Wisconsin, particularly southeast Wisconsin, um, to improve um, and make advances in uh, knowledge and research uh, for those citizens, and then to, um, on the educational front, uh, train the next generation of uh, physicians and scientists um, who will continue to carry that banner forward, um, uh, which of course is one of the strong missions of the Medical College of Wisconsin and the other educational institutions that we work with. Thank you, Dean Kirshner, for joining us. I'd like to welcome to the program Wisconsin Secretary of Veterans Affairs, John Skokas. Good day, Mr. Skokas. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me on, David. Thank you for joining us. I know you yourself are a veteran, and I know that you support approximately 400,000 vets here in Wisconsin. Can you tell me, what is the state doing to improve the system of care that we deliver, or are there any statewide initiatives in the works to improve the system? I, I sure can. We're always looking for ways to better serve our veterans' population and adapt to the problems that affect the veterans. I'm acutely aware of the physical, mental, and psychological costs borne by the men and women serving in our country's conflicts, and these costs do not end with their active duty assignments. Reintegration bears its own cost. As veterans attempt to resume their varied roles in our civilian society, uh, mother, father, son, daughter, friend, employee, student, and others, I can tell you from a personal experience that even under the best of circumstances, this transition is a difficult one. Of the veterans living in the state of Wisconsin, the number includes 128,273 Wisconsinites who joined the ranks of deployed or returning veterans since the Persian Gulf War in 1990. More than 50,000 of Wisconsin veterans suffer from some degree of disability related to their military duty. And a trend analysis reveal an increasing rate of physical and mental health disorders for personnel who were deployed in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Some of the most effective ways we help our veterans is through our many partnerships throughout the state and by informing veterans there is help out there for them and where to find it. And specifically, uh, Wisconsin Department of Veterans Affairs has partnered with various agencies and organizations to host 67 veteran career and benefit fairs statewide over the past four years serving nearly 14,000 veterans. Last year alone, over 4,000 veterans and spouses attended these career-related services. Each one of these events is a chance to reach veterans who need assistance, including those with medical issues such as PTSD, and connect them to the resources they need. And I, I believe, you know, just recently our department partnered with SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Resources. Mm -hmm. We brought together various government agencies and nonprofit organizations to elevate the discussion and identify how to improve the delivery of mental health services. We've learned there are a lot of different points where a veteran may access services, many which are not affiliated with the Veterans Administration. Those points of access be they a state office, a county office, a nonprofit service provider, or a veteran's primary care physician need to be educated to appropriately respond when a veteran is reaching out. We've started to break down the barriers 
and are building up relationships to make it easier to cross bureaucratic lines to ensure our veterans and their families are taken care of. We have a strong network of mental health and service providers in the areas of the state. It is not a small task to educate them, but a unique circumstances and experiences our veterans and their families. The effects of PTSD are wide-ranging. Likewise, there are a variety of factors that influence a veteran's ability to overcome and successfully live with PTSD. <clears throat> there is not a cookie-cutter solution. and We are working across functional service areas to develop a comprehensive approach to assist veterans and their families. There is an overall shortage, we know, of mental health care providers, particularly in rural areas of the state. This is a problem that extends beyond veterans and affects all Wisconsinites. Recently, we met with the State Medical Society to discuss how we can partner to improve physical and mental health care treatment to the thousands of Wisconsin veterans who do not obtain their health care from the federal VA for whatever reason. Well, that sounds am amazing. Uh, it sounds like you, uh, the state, too, is really leaning on collaboration to really get the work done. Definitely we are. We're working hard to assist these returning veterans, especially some of our veterans who have had four or five deployments and are now reintegrating back into the Wisconsin area and society in general. Secretary Skokas, thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing what Wisconsin is doing to really no. better the lives of our veterans. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, David, for having me uh, aboard your radio show today and helpfully moving forward, a way forward to help our returning veterans um, so we can meet their needs. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, let me introduce you to one of our CTSI researchers who is working to support our returning vets, Dr. Zeno Franco. Dr. Franco is an assistant professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at the Medical College of Wisconsin. He completed his training in clinical psychology at the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. He is also currently a board member of the International Association for Information Systems for Crisis Response and Management. Welcome, Dr. Franco. Thanks, David, for having me. As we just heard, you are a clinical psychologist trained in post-traumatic stress disorder. But can you tell us what led you to your interest in this area of science? Sure. So um, a lot of things sort of happened for me around 9-11. So um, it really sort of changed my career trajectory. I was very interested in um, disaster mental health and post-traumatic stress disorder um, and just trying to um, address the problems that people face after a major crisis or a major war. So talk to me about PTSD and, and who it really affects. You know, how broad is the um, disorder and what kind of toll it can take on people? Sure. So, I mean, it can be as simple as being in an automobile accident. Uh, if you have a traumatic experience, get hit by another car, um, sort of reliving that experience, uh, maybe being afraid to drive through that same intersection where you got hit. Um, you know, one of the major problems that we face with PTSD is women who have been raped. Um, we also face that same issue with military sexual trauma in the military. But what most people associate with PTSD is sort of the combat trauma aspects of it. So when we send service uh, members abroad, um, they experience things that civilians probably will never experience, uh, some of the horrificness of war. And they often um, bring those memories back and carry them for a long time. And sometimes, not all the time, sometimes those develop into really significant symptoms that we call PTSD. 
Gotcha. And, and currently you're working on a CTSI pilot grant that's helping you address these issues in that specific group of veterans. Yep. Yeah, and we're really with this grant focusing on high-risk veterans, so veterans who are diagnosed probably with PTSD and who maybe are getting into some trouble um, in uh, any number of ways, either at work or um, they may have been referred for uh, some criminal activity, um, oftentimes those difficulties that they have reintegrating into civilian life come up in ways that are not really good for the community and not good for them either. Um, and so we're trying to address high-risk behavior in those veterans that are suffering the most after they come back from war. And, and this project you're working on is a real uh, true collaboration across a lot of the CTSI partner organizations, but also with the community. Can you tell me about your team? Because it's a sure. really great, robust team on this. You bet. So a lot of what we do um, in my department at the Medical College is community engagement. And so I have had a long-term uh, relationship with Dry Hooch of America, which is a small nonprofit you know, based here in Milwaukee. They actually have um, a facility right on Brady Street where they serve coffee to veterans. It's also open to the public. Um, and upstairs they do um, you know, programming for veterans that um, might not be available through the VA, for example, uh, more sort of social, um, more supportive, long-term engagement with other veterans. So they really focus on peer-to-peer -peer support. So that's one aspect of our team. We also have Marquette University heavily involved on the technology side, and we'll probably get to that in a few minutes, I imagine. Um, also, UWM has the largest uh, number of veteran students enrolled in any of the UW campuses, so they're a major wow. partner in this in this uh, uh, process. Oh, that I did not know. And the VA is also uh, part of the partnership as well, so um, we're trying to combine the resources and expertise of a number of different campuses that are part of the CTSI, um, as well as the community partners that we work with to, to deliver this. Uh, intervention. Joining us on the phone is Jada Reynolds, a veteran herself and peer mentor at Dry Hooch of America here in Milwaukee. Welcome, Jada. Good afternoon, David. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, I know as a peer mentor, you work with veterans on a daily basis. With this new smartphone technology, what are veterans really looking, um, how are they looking to use it? Uh, what do they really need um, in this kind of technology to make it effective for them? Um, a lot of our veterans need something that's going to be consistent, that gives them the ability to contact uh, supportive services, you know, with the push of a button, where they don't have to wait on the line, where they don't have to wait on hold, you know, where they have the ability to communicate directly with someone that they are familiar with that can provide uh, the necessary assistance in a crisis situation. And um, uh, for the people that have um, been uh, kind of in this alpha stage of testing it with you, um, how have they been reacting to, um, to what they see in this app? Um, everyone that has used the application, you know, has felt that it was really good information. You know, they wanted us to change some of the questions, so we did. We made it a lot more user-friendly, and, you know, they feel like it's a great resource because it not only has been something that they've been able to use and receive support, but it'll be something that additional generations of veterans that, you know, are returning home and need support are able to use as well. And do you see this as really uh, being a help to you as a mentor? It, it is a help because um, we have individual um, peers that we work with and we're able to track how they're doing from week to week just by staying in contact with this application 
And with everyone having such busy lives and schedules, we're not always able to meet up at a specific time. But, you know, you're able to use this technology to stay connected. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Ms. Reynolds. Again, we're speaking with Jada Reynolds from Dry Hooch of America here in Milwaukee. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So when, um, when a veteran actually has this mobile app in their hand, mm-hmm. what will they be doing? What will they see? What's the therapeutic to it? Sure. So one of the things, so there's a lot of different layers that we're trying to build in. So one of the one of the layers for younger veterans coming back from war, oftentimes they've never experienced sort of civilian life. Um, they may have gone into the military at 19 or 20. They're coming back into uh, school, and now the military the military infrastructure isn't there to tell them what to do. Um, and so one of the things that we do in the app is just to have check-ins. And so there's a there's a calendar of days, um, and twice a week you need to check in with your peer mentor, and that's an assigned peer mentor. You have an established relationship with them. You provide a little bit of data about how you're doing, and the peer mentor can then kind of take a look at how things are going and intervene if they feel it's necessary. We're not saying that the app is the end-all, be-all. It's really augmenting the social system that's already there. So that's one of the things. I think for the peer mentor also, right now, if we're tracking a a veteran, if the peer mentors are tracking a veteran, they're doing it on paper. And so they really don't have access to real-time data. And so we're trying to put the the power of information in the hands of the peer mentor um, so that they can intervene when necessary. And I imagine that having that electronically um, helps the intervention or the peer mentor um, uh, get to that problem faster. Yep. And intervene faster. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I imagine also because you know so many of the people that are coming back are young. Technology is really their major interface to society. Yeah, and we've even had a few veterans who we've interacted with. Right now, we're you know because we're building the app, we're doing some of this process on paper and 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 face to face using face face to face communication with the peer mentors. Some of the folks that are most troubled have actually told us we would very much participate in this if we only had to deal with the app, if we only had to do this online. Um, right now, we're not ready to talk to a person. And that, I mean, that's a scary situation as a, as a clinician. That's that's something that I, I worry about. At the same time, those are the very people that we need to get to. Mm. And if the first step for them is to say, I'm willing to interact with a computer, but I'm not willing to, f- to meet you face-to-face, we need to learn how to do that better. Gotcha. Um, so I know that you're kind of in the uh, the alpha stage test testing of this. You know, you've had it in a couple hands of people mm-hmm. um, that have given you some feedback on it. Yep. Um, when do you hope to actually have this um, on the market? Well, so, I mean, we are looking actually at a commercialization path for this, um, for some of the aspects of it. What we're trying to do this summer is to get into beta testing um, and then to actually deploy a stable version of it um, in the fall of 2014 during the, ne- the next school year for UWM. So again, our sort of target population is, is the, the students, uh, student veterans at UWM for this round. So that's our sort of short-term goal. Ultimately, as you're saying, um, we're looking at um, trying to patent some of the pieces from this and also to take it into a, a full-scale commercialization pathway. So, um, so when you do go to um, veterans and you uh, are already established that there's a lot of them at UW Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, how are you engaging those people? How are you getting participants um, to try this out? Sure. So one of the biggest things for doing community-based interventions is really building the partnership relationships. And so we sort of baked into some of the grants that we have. Um, 
this this sort of high-level relationship with UWM leadership around veterans' issues. But we're also working sort of on the ground at this point, if you will, with the Maverick Center, which is a sort of veteran-specific uh, place on campus where veterans can come and spend some time without the rest of the student body there. And so that's one of the places where we're doing recruiting for this. Um, again, trying to sort of really tailor the message around younger veterans who are, who are coming into the system. Sounds like you're also having taken some time to some build some trust in that community as well. And trust is a huge, huge piece. And so this, the Community Academic Partnership for Health that we're working through with Dry Coochie of America has been in place since about 2009. And those trust pieces with the community are key to getting this done. Because ultimately, I can't go out there and do the recruiting, right? Because if they look at me and say, well, you're a researcher, you're not like us. If we have a veteran do the rec recruiting, it goes a lot, a lot more smoothly. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yep. Um, and I think it was just this month that um, Apple, you know, in a big production, as they always do, unveiled something called HealthKit uh, mm -hmm. as a mobile application that um, really seems to be um, trying to uh, attract those people that are jumping on the health bandwagon, yep. the people who are exercising and they want to make sure that their blood pressure is right, their health rate's right. Mm -hmm. um, a lot for, I imagine, like, you know, uh, weight loss and things like that. You bet. Um, this is not like that. No. This is, this is really a, a therapeutic. It's an intervention. It's more of an intervention, and I think the other piece, too, is that there's a lot, I mean, as you say, there's a lot going on, and it's a really good thing that there's a lot going on right now in sort of health behavior detection using mobile technologies. That's one aspect of it. And we also think that the social aspect is also really key. Social support for, you know, most veterans won't develop PTSD. A lot of veterans have difficulties reintegrating when they come back, whether that's on the job, whether that's with their family, um, getting sort of the pieces picked back up. And so they may not have full-blown PTSD, but they may need some more support. And so we're really saying, how can the mobile technology support that social process for veterans? And I can only imagine that because it is an app, and much like many other apps, as it's rolled out, you can continue to roll out new versions of it mm -hmm. to enhance features as you get uh, communication back from your veterans and back in the community. And that's exactly what these studies are designed to do, is to take that feedback and, and roll it into the product. All right, Dr. Franco, do you have some time for a little fun and to help educate our listeners further about PTSD? Always. All right. Joining us is CBS 58 anchor Paul Pieskuski. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. So, Paul, this is the part in our program where we play translational trivia. We'll ask you three questions, and you need to get two of them right to win. Today, you'll be playing on behalf of one of our Facebook friends, Lori Marks of Milwaukee, who will win a CTSI prize pack, including a CTSI pen, notebook coaster, and an 8-gig flash drive. You ready for question one? All set. All right. Question one is... The term reliving describes one symptom of PTSD. Other symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder may include A. Avoidance B. Hyperarousal C. Emotional numbness or D. All of the above uh, I am going to go with all of the above. I think that you got it. Oh, that's right on. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that your um, experience in the news media might have just tipped you off a bit on that one. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, I, luck might have had more to do with it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's see if we make it a little tougher for you then. Okay. Okay, here's question two. And this one is a science or fiction question. So your answer should be science or fiction. Gotcha. Question two. More women than men suffer from PTSD. 
science or fiction? Hmm. I'm going to say fiction. That would be wrong. Sorry, Paul. Uh. Dr. Frankel, why don't you tell us why that is incorrect? Well, I think there's just, uh, this gets really to the sort of sexual trauma issue, um, and I think also just sort of abuse across the board. So, I mean, when we think about sort of PTSD awareness, a lot of, we think about PTSD oftentimes in terms of military trauma, um, but a lot of women in particular experience uh, sexual traumas, and um, it's sort of an unrecognized uh, epidemic, if you will. So, that's a, that's a science answer. It caught me off guard, too, so thanks for that. All right, here's your final question, and this one you got to get right. So if you, need a, if you need a shout out, the doctor's here for you. No pressure, huh? No pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> all right. All right, here's your last question, and it's a pretty short one. PTSD is a type of blank disorder. PTSD is a type of blank disorder. That's good. Um, so if you think about, mm, how much of a hint can I give him? You can give him a pretty broad hint. Okay. Well, it starts with an A. Um, and if you, th you think about sort of the, the um, symptoms that you have with, with PTSD, you feel very anxious. Anxious, I was going to say agitated, but anxious. Anxious, yeah, agitated, exactly it. So you feel agitated, and uh, we, we just call that formally um, sort of an anxiety disorder that it falls under. So, All right, we're going to give you that one. I, I think that's, that's good enough for the win. It, it is. Because <laughs> anxiety is a psychological disorder. So we're going to give you that one, Paul. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, Lori Marks of Milwaukee is winning a CTSI prize pack. Um, so we uh, really appreciate your time, Paul. We know you're heading towards the uh, air right now to go on do, to do the CBS 58 News. Uh, and we appreciate you calling in. Yeah, glad to help out. It's been educational. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Paul. All right. We'll talk to you again. One last item. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month, so make sure to mark your calendar and join us on July 18th for our next show. I'd like to thank our guests today, Dr. Zeno Franco and Dean Joseph Kirshner from the Medical College of Wisconsin and Paul Piaskuski from CBS 58 for playing translational trivia. Until then, CTSI Discovery Radio is produced by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The show is engineered by Tom Crawford. With special thanks to Sandy Everts and Drs. Herman Vietz, Carlos De La Pena, and Reza Shakir.